and just it does it's good for the soul to be to be here. And I was talking to to Ron Wilson, the one of the owners here, and I this he was I was getting excited about the hayride because I said, "Where is that going to be?" And he said, "It's going to go way out that way, out to a hill. It's going to be pretty epic." So there's just something great about a hayride and being out here together. Looking down at the straws we were singing in my leather shoe, I had a flashback to when I was 14 working on my grandfather and uncle's farm in Indiana. And one day I was cleaning out the farm, the barn and with a pitchfork and kind of moving around with my boot. And I stabbed through the straw into my boot with one of the tines. And I didn't want to tell my grandpa because, you know, that's just, just try to go, just don't let anyone know what I did. But at about 1 a.m., my foot just started throbbing so bad. I had to wake him up and go to the ER and get a tetanus shot and all that. So anyway, stay away from pitchforks today while you're here. But no, it's good to be here. It's the, I'm talking today about coming together. And this is a theme that's really been on, on my heart for our church. And really, I believe something I believe God is doing with us more and more in this season and wanting to lead us into is coming together relationally, coming together in friendship, coming together as a people. And even just being in this barn, you know, there's one of the greatest pictures of people coming together is the, what, the old school thing that the farmers would do, and especially like in, you think of Amish or Mennonite groups of people where they would do a barn raising, right? And so here's a job that <clears throat> it would take one guy a couple months probably to build a barn. But there's a barn raising day and all the friends and the community comes together and in one day, they raise and build a whole wooden barn. And in the midst of that, it's, it's, there's, there's fellowship. There's, because there's, you know, just there's the camaraderie of working together. There's the big meal afterwards and celebration and, and party. There's the, the synergy of you can accomplish more together than you can by yourself. And that's really, you know, what happens when, even in a more amazing way, when God brings people together as a community. And I'm going to read a familiar, couple of familiar passages. Um, Ecclesiastes 4. Many of you have probably heard this, but it's, it's just so good. Solomon, the wisest man, of, of one of the wisest men who, ever, men who ever lived, said this. He said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. There's actually a synergy. There's a principle in the Bible that in, when we're... When God is in us and with us, there's a principle that one shall put a thousand to flight, but two shall put not two thousand to flight, but the Bible says ten thousand to flight. So it's not one thousand plus one thousand, it's this exponential multiplication. There's a synergy that happens when we come together in Christ. There's a good return for their labor. Which is funny, because so often what keeps us from coming together is like, oh man, I've got too much to do, I've got too much to get done. But we're actually keeping away from the greater productivity and impact of our life that happens when we come together. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. That bit about if one can overpower someone who's alone, two can resist that adversary. 
I actually had a very interesting week this week. I, for the first time in my life, I got, I was on a jury, actually of a murder trial in Manhattan. And it was, it was very intense. Um, I actually got kicked off the jury, jury before the last day for taking notes. That's a whole other story I won't get into. But it was actually a fascinating, you know, situation. And, but this very thing happened. There was, it was a young couple, they were 27. They'd, they'd been in a relationship for a few years. They'd been married for six months. They had two kids, aged two and 10 months. And then another seven-year-old living in the house too. But their relationship was just very, they described it as toxic. It was just great at times, but then they were at each other's throats. And there had been multiple restraining orders, both directions, actually, with this couple. And then it came to where the, the husband had a, the wife put a restraining order against him. And she was concerned for her safety. And she actually had two friends come spend the night with her. And then at 11 p.m., one of them went home, and the other one was going to stay and spend the whole night and then get the seven-year-old ready for this, this run he was doing the next morning. But at like 3 a.m., she woke up, and she thought, oh, I'll just go home and let my dog out so that I can have that, not have to worry about it later. And in the like hour and a half that she was gone, the husband came to the house, and that's when the murder happened, actually. And it, that, there was so much that was tragic about this situation. But the thought that, like, man, if that friend had been there, to, it probably would not have happened. And there's a just sobriety about, man, we, we need people in our lives to keep us from, from an adversary who's against us. Um, there's, there's a, you know, coming together is a theme that we all resonate with. We all, we all know we're made for community. We all know we're made for family. We all know we're made for relationship. Um, but there's a level of experiencing this that is only possible with God. The thing that we desire is only possible through Jesus Christ. And a big part of the message of the gospel is that Jesus died for our sins, both to reconcile us to God and also to bring us into healthy, close relationship with other people. We see at the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned, their relationship was damaged. And it's through the work of Jesus on the cross that he is beginning to bring people back together and fashioning a church that is one. Um, we, we're going to look, our, and this is, you know, it's a very central thing of what God is about. What is, like, what is God doing in the world? He's bringing people together to be a church, to be his church. That is essential to what he's doing. Um, we're going to look at one more kind of our main passage here today. Very, another very familiar one from Acts chapter 2. This is a picture of the early church when it first came together. And it's really a, a picture, you know, not just of like, oh, that's how they lived, but it's a model of the kind of church that God has called us to be. So um, I'm just going to pray here before we, before we read this. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for making us to come together, making us for community. Thank you that you have, you have made and you are making it possible for each of us to live in that and to live in it more than we are right now. And Lord, I just ask that as we, as we continue looking at your word right now, Holy Spirit, would you be present? Would you speak to each one of us? Would you encourage us, give us hope and vision, and also 
Lord, just instruct us in what this is to look like in our life. I trust you for this. Thank you. Amen. Okay, Acts chapter 2. This is the day the Holy Spirit is poured out. It's what's known as the day of Pentecost. And Peter stands up in front of this crowd of thousands of people, and he gives this gospel message about who Jesus is and how the purpose of God is coming to its fulfillment in the person of Jesus and in his death and resurrection. And his bottom line of this message is in verse 38 of Acts 2. He says, And let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And I say that to just to lay the foundation that everything that's going to happen next is not just because people were like finding good, going to good counselors or reading good books about relationships, but it was all out of the life of Jesus that this new community was birthed. And so we see a couple of verses later. In verse 41, it says, So then, those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 people. Wow. So they responded to the gospel, and they were baptized, and immediately what happened is they were joined to the church. They were joined to this new community. There's no being a Christian without being a thing of coming together with other believers. That's, that, that's, that's what it's all about. That's how it, that's just an essential part of being a Christian. And then it says this, it says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So there's this new lifestyle, this new, this new community. And the first thing they were devoted to was God's word and applying it to their life. And the second thing was they were devoted to the fellowship. That just means to their relationships together. Yesterday, a bunch of us, the the guys at Bluemont are doing, we started doing like a once a month guys get together. And yesterday, a bunch of us got together at at Mike and Tonya Norris' house and we watched the K-State football game, which was almost a really, really great game. (laughs) A really weird game, but fun game to watch together. But as we were talking about, hey, are we going to have like a message or what are we going to do? We said, no, this is just a fellowship thing. Like that is... That is, a, that is an important thing, just to devote ourselves to the fellowship and camaraderie and our relationships. That's the second thing listed here, is following Jesus is devoted to the fellowship. And everything listed here, the, the, uh, the breaking of bread, meals together, communion, prayer, that was all an outflow of people coming together with their lives. It goes on, it says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together, and they had all things in common. And they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all, to the extent that anyone had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. Man, that's a miracle. People continuing with one mind. That doesn't happen by itself. But this is what was happening here. They were continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
Man, this is just, I can't read this without going, man, yeah, I think, I love this. This is so good. This is what I want, this is how I want to live. This is the kind of life I want to be part of with a group of people like this, following Jesus, growing in relationship with one another, serving him, and seeing amazing things happen as we do that. I'm going to talk, break it down a little bit in some of the blessings that we see here of coming together. But before I do that, I want to look at a couple of the obvious costs of coming together. Because there's a cost of coming together. There's, it, it doesn't just happen. Um, the, and the first, you know, I just want to talk about two costs we see here. The first cost of coming together is the cost of our independence. I can't be independent and in community at the same time. I, I can't be living a me-centered life and a we-centered life at the same time. There's something that I have to give up to come into this. The church is not intended to be like a grocery store that you run into to get what you need and then go back to your life. Or a work party that you go to once a year and then, you know, or you go to work and then you go home. But it's, it's a part, it's a woven into the fabric of our lives. That's, that's how God intended it to be. And really, as Americans, this is just so different. Like, to, to come into this requires a culture change. I was thinking about this with um, one of my good, some of our good friends, many of you know Richie and Abdulia Perez, who are um, Hispanic. Both of their, their families came from Mexico. And they both got degrees at K-State, and they're now working in Kansas City. And when they moved there, <coughs> Abdulia's parents moved from southwest Kansas to Kansas City to be with them. And then, and they like basically moved from one of their children's house to their other child's house. And I remember talking to Richie and Abdulia about like them finding a church. And Abdulia's mom and dad don't speak English very well. And it was just like, well, you know, could you go to one church and your mom and dad go to another church? And they're just like, what are you talking about? Like, this is, this is just like, you don't understand the culture. Like, you don't understand, like, the, there's, a way, there's a communal way of thinking about this, a family way of thinking that just is different from how you're thinking. And in the same way, for us to come into this kind of lifestyle, it takes, it's, there's a culture shock. It's different from the way we naturally li- live. It's, it's a change. Proverbs 18.1 says that, talking about this independence, it says, one who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Wow, that's a pretty good rebuke to me a lot of times. <laughs> I, I, it's natural for me to separate myself. But it says, hey, if you separate yourself, you're being me-centered. And you're actually, you're arguing with wisdom. You're not living the way that is best. You're hurting yourself. So the first cost is, is the cost of independence. The second cost is the obvious one here is our money and our possessions. Uh-oh, man, churches all talk, always talk about your money and giving your money, but no, that's, it's, it's just, that's not what I'm after here, but it's why, it just so shows where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. And with this group of people, they were so thankful to be in on what, was God, what God was doing with his people and seeing that, wow, I can use my resources to bless others and, and to see God do something great in the world. Hey, mi casa su casa. It's, it's not mine, it's ours. Whatever I got is ours. I 
I watched a video a while back. There's a missions group in Thailand called, or in Burma called the Free Burma Rangers. And Burma's a place, Myanmar's a place with lots of warfare and civil war and strife. It's very dangerous, but these people go in and they're actually helping train militia as well as bringing the gospel to stand against some of the injustices of the government. It's intense. But when they come in, one of the things that stood out to me the most is this, this American dude shows up with his wife and little kids in these villages in Myanmar, and they say, hey, everything we have is yours. And it's just like, wow. That will win people pretty quickly. If that is really what you believe in how you live, that everything that I own, I'm not holding on to, but it's available for you. And we see that that's how these people were living. Their houses, their time, their money, their resources. It was, hey, this isn't for me. This is for something greater. So there is a cost to that, but it's, it's so good. Um, so that's some of the costs, but some of the blessings. I, I just want to hit on, on three, three blessings that are, that are in, this, in this example. First blessing of coming together is the blessing of friends. That's a good blessing right there. Blessing of friendship. Man, these people were in each other's homes. They had... They were enjoying meals together. They had people in their lives. One of the tragedies of, of modern life, modern American life, is just the lack of real friendship that people have. This past week, um, most of you probably know that Matthew Perry, who's a Chandler from the TV show Friends, passed away. And that was totally a TV show from my generation that I never watched, actually. <laughs> so, but I know the gist of it. It's funny, I was talking to my kids tonight. I was like, hey, do your like, generations, do you know friends? And Ian's in high school. He's like, yeah, actually, everyone knows friends. And Anna's in her 20s. She's like, yeah, like, our, my generation loves this show. And basically, it's six people that are friends in the city. And they, like, that's what their life really revolves around, is these relationships. And they're in each other's homes. And, and there's all sorts of drama. But it's like, they're just, they're, and their inner conversation is they're sharing it with one another. And they know what's going on in each other's lives. And out of that, there's, there's a meaningful relationship. And that's, man, so often people are like, they're drawn to that because they don't have it in their own life. In fact, I, I saw an article about, about Matthew Perry from a, from a lady who was a teenager when Friends was going on. She was a 14-year-old in England. And, the, the, and she, the title of her article was, The Best Friend I Never Knew talking about Matthew Perry, how she's so connected with him and found him to be a friend, even though she never actually, she actually met him once, but she, she never actually knew him. Um, but it was like, that was the closest thing she had to a real friend. And so many people, it's like social media, or you know, that's the lack of, of, of a real friend. But man, the church is a place to build true friendships. And that's, that's what we get as we come together. I was reading 1 Chronicles this week, and in 1 Chronicles 27, there's a list of Dave, King David and all his like officials, people who were governors of this tribe and leaders of that tribe, and this person over the army this month, and this person took care of the fields, and this person took care, care of the donkeys, and it breaks down all the resources and who was responsible, and different like you know secretaries and people of positions. And then it says, and Hushai was the king's friend. I was like, wow. Like, his, his role was being the best friend of the king. 
And that was important. That was important enough to be like his full-time job, apparently, and to be like to make the Bible that, hey, he was David's friend. And I just think, man, that, if that could be said of my life, that, man, I was somebody's friend, like that, that, that's something good to say about each of our lives, that, hey, I was somebody's friend, or they were, they were somebody's friend. That's, that's the blessing of coming together. Second blessing is fun. That doesn't sound very spiritual, but I'm going with the F's here. And it's, it's true. There was, they were taking their meals together with joy and gladness of heart. Man, there's, there's nothing more life-giving than being around good friends and being in a healthy community. There's something that just lifts our spirits like nothing else. There's something that, you know, I had that experience a couple times in the last last couple weeks, and I just like walked away going, wow, that was good. I really enjoyed that. I, I, am, I, am, I feel better. I am in a better place because of that interaction with those friends. Um, man, it's just so life-giving to spend quality time with quality people, and that's a benefit as we join our lives with other people. There's, there's friends and there's fun. And then the third thing I see here is there's, they were on the front row Friends, fun, and getting to be on the front row of what God is doing. Man, I mean, that's what they were seeing, right? Like, miracles are happening from the hands of the apostles. They're seeing people coming to faith every day, seeing lives being changed, seeing like, wow, that person, we knew him. He, he was not a very fun person to be around, and he just got baptized last week, and he's different now. Like, wow, that's, and then, man, that's what we're seeing. I mean, it's cool seeing all the baptisms that we've been seeing this fall. And just seeing, like, man, the lives that are changed. That is the benefit of coming together, is you get to be in, on, in the middle of what God is doing. And there's nothing more important in all the world than lives being changed. And that's what happens in church. That's what happens through churches, is people's life, people hear the gospel, they get discipled, their lives are changed. And when we come together, we get to be, have a front row seat in that process. Um, man, I just, I've always always had a desire, like, I want to be in on the ground floor or something. I want to be, like, seeing where it's happening. And when we come together, that's what we get to be part of. So friends, fun, and front row. Okay. How to, there's so much. I'm like, man, talk about coming together. Talk about community. Talk about relationship. It's like, this is half the New Testament, actually. It's like, more what not to say is the challenge. There's just, you know, so much of, of, God's word is instructing us in how to come together, how to love one another, how to live in community, how to be we-centered. Um, but I want to give us just a couple practical things today, actually three practical things on like, hey, how can, how can I come together with, with other people? How can I come together in, in a church community in a very real way? Three things. One. Some of these you may be like, well, I'm already doing that. Some of you, but, so it's, that's good. Just say, hey, that's cool. Or maybe you're not. That's a good opportunity. But first one, commit to a community group or a campus meeting. There's something about, you know, we, we really see, at Bluemont, we've got multiple small groups, community groups, Bible studies, meeting throughout the week. And we really want to be a church where it's not a church with community groups, or small groups, but a church of community groups. Where a lot of what's happening is not Sunday morning. 
I was talking to Jesse, and he read something. That the Sunday morning's not just like the cake. It's the icing on the cake. But the rest of life is, is the rest of the week, living in community throughout the week. And uh, a community group is just finding a group of people where, and our, our main ones are Sundays at 4 at the Brinson's house, Wednesdays at 7 at the Partridge's house, called the Greatness Campus Meeting at 7 at the Ministry house, and our youth group on Wednesday nights at 6, 30 at the Ministry house. I'm not invited to that one. I don't know what time, for you what time it is. But those are like great places to just like find a group of people, come together once a week, and build camaraderie, grow together. Um, something happens as that happens. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's easy to be like, wow. I mean, you, you read this story in Acts. It says, day by day, day by day, continuing with one mind. How do they continue with one mind? Well, the fact that they were connecting day by day had a lot to do with they were of one mind. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. The fact that they were in each other's homes, in each other's lives, that brought them into this place of oneness. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. You may be like, well, I can't do every day. Well, how about one day a week? Like, let's start there. Like, let's start with one day a week where there's a commitment. Like, okay, I'm going to make this an important part of my life. All right. Commit to a community group. Number two. Oh, you thought this one's even more like, you might not like me after I say this, especially if you're a male. Engage emotionally. Engage emotionally with other people, especially if you've been hurt or if it's a place that's scary or you feel like, that's, I feel very vulnerable talking about that. Or, man, this is a tough situation. But that's like really the Friends show. That's like a lot of why they had Like they were, they were open about, about their life. Um, there's, 1 Corinthians 13.7 says, Love bears all things. Trust in all things. Hopes in all things. And endures in all things. That line, like love, trust in all things, I think that's, there are like two verses in the New Testament that I, don't, I feel like I don't understand what that means. One is this weird verse about being baptized for the dead. I'm like, oh man, I've tried to read commentaries. I, that's, I still don't know. This part about trusting in all things, I feel kind of the same way. Like, wow, trust people? Like, God, you know people, right? And actually, Jesus even said that he didn't entrust himself to people. So it's not in the sense of like getting his worth from them or basing his anything upon people because he knew it was in their hearts. But there's what it's saying here is that, hey, don't shut doors of hoping for the best with people. Don't shut emotional doors with other people. Don't close yourself off because of hurt. Don't close yourself off because of the difficulty of it. But keep your heart open, even though everything in you likes wants to close that thing. But as you open up to people, that's where we come into this oneness, this unity of mind, this unity of heart that God has for us. It's, I've noticed that like, it's very popular to talk about church hurt. I feel like I see church hurt everywhere. 
as a tagline on Instagram and all over the place. And I get it because people get hurt in church. And it can be one of the most damaging hurts there is. You know, when there's hurt from a spiritual authority especially. It, it messes with us because it's like, man, this is supposed to be the best. And these are people I really trusted and it's my spiritual life. <clears throat> but the reality is we're going to be hurt in any relationship. There's going to be friend hurt. There's going to be marriage hurt. There's going to be work hurt. There's going to be people hurt. It's, it's unavoidable. The question is, can I have the door open even though life is that way and still engage, still find people, still, still get my security from God and still receive his love and then love other people and engage in building these friendships um, despite, despite the challenge of it. Love bears all things. Trust in all things. Hopes in all things. Endures in all things. Engage emotionally. And then the, the last tip I want to give, or just practical thing, is to practice hospitality. Wow, that's a radical idea. Practice hospitality. We see that in Acts 2, in Romans 12, 13. We're told, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Think about the, the early church and in each other's homes, and you got to ask, like, well, whose house were they in? Like, those were real people with jobs and family responsibilities, and they opened up their doors for other people to come in. And they did the dishes and cleaned up, and some, who, who made the meals that they ate? Like, there, there was time and work and cost, and it was real people that were sharing their lives. And hospitality is just, I think, one of the most important lost arts in our culture. And hospitality is not only about opening up your, your home, and it's not about entertaining. Okay? As we hear hospitality, we may think, like, oh, I got to make you know, the Christmas party be the hostess with the mostest and like, make this like, big elaborate thing that people come into. But it's really opening up your lives to other people, opening up your space where you live, your time, your space. It's, it's including others in, in your life, in your family, in your home. And I love just how I, some of the examples of this. I mean, I love how, <clears throat> how the riches live in the same house as the Banners, and you know, Susanna and Hema live in the same house as Eddie and Jenny, and like, wow, there, it's, there's some cool just like people opening up their lives to others. I love just hearing, I'm mean, here like, Matt and Emily all the time, like, oh yeah, they were hanging out with this person, and this, like, this, that's one of my favorite things, is just seeing, seeing that happen. Um, so it's like, think about, man, how can, I, how can I do that? It may be, you know, not just the classic, like, hey, have someone over for dinner, but, hey, I'm going to, I work out three times a week. Could I do that with somebody else? Hey, I go grocery shopping. Could I do that with someone else? Maybe they don't even have a, who could I take with me who doesn't have a car? to go grocery shopping with. It's, it's, it's joining our lives together with other people. And as, as we do that, there's something very rich that God does. So join a, be in a community group, engage emotionally, and practice hospitality. So, you know, this is just one of my most favorite parts about being a follower of Jesus is the community. 
I, I, I remember I, was, I had one really good friend from seventh grade on who's still a good friend. And he actually became a pastor too. It's kind of crazy. But I never, like in high school, I never felt like I like, really? And I had some good, I had some friends. But I never would like, I felt like I had a community. And one of the real things that for me when I really became a disciple at a greater level in college was coming into that sense of community and friendships and experiencing that. And now it's been 30 years. And I'm like, I've got, I've got friends that I've been friends with for 30 years that are my best friends in the world. And that has just been the natural outflow of, of walking with God and putting this into practice. And the richness and the value of that is so good. And it's just you know, it's so good that God's family is, is always open. It's never closed. It's never like, oh, I got mine, and, you know, but it's always open. It's always reaching out. It's always inviting more people to be part of this community. And it's always inviting us to grow in the, the depth and the oneness of our relationships, too. So it's good stuff. So I'm excited to see how this keeps working out. I, I know it is working out, and it's happening. My prayer is just that we would see that this would happen in our lives more and more. And that we would come into the, the relationships and the community that God has for us more and more in powerful ways. So may that be the case. We have a great opportunity today, even as we share a meal together that's going to get here soon. And pet animals and go on hay rides and all sorts of fun stuff. So um, let me just pray for us and we'll wrap that up. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you make available. Thank you for what you lead us into in real community. God, I pray that each person here would experience that more in the next month than we are right now. And that you would continue to be building your people, bringing us together the way you intend and the way we desire. We trust you for that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.